0: everybody and welcome to the technical area your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me your host gaffer grimo once again well i suppose the big news and the big place to start is that live football is coming back to us and of course it's coming back to us in one of my favorite leagues in the world the bundesliga um i didn't take too well to the which bundesliga club should you support kind of map maze that was uh, shared on social media particularly the fact that you know I do know Schalke they do tend to play a very unattractive style of football but nonetheless you know I like to think back of the glory days of FM17 when we played some fabulous football but yeah I suppose it's really great for everyone everyone's really excited I know Um, hopefully we can see it somewhere legally of course but um, the excitement of live football, like it's it, it's really great that we're finally coming to a stage now where there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. This week, in terms of my own FMing, oh, I haven't been as committed to it as I would like. I've been a little bit distracted. There's a Dynasty Fantasy uh, Football NFL uh, League among a few FMers that I'm involved in, so. That's taking up my time putting together Excel worksheets and Excel spreadsheets, Worksheets, please. Excel spreadsheets. Uh getting reading. No not that I'm gonna do any good anyway, but yeah. But this week I did have that that big game against Real Madrid. So big in fact I actually came out and wrote a blog post around that one match. Hopefully I did a decent job if you have gotten around to reading. If you haven't, a link to the, the technical areas. Site the WordPress site is down in the link below if you want to go and check it out there. But like that, Real Madrid result came on the back of August being an absolute queen bee of a month. Wow! Like in the first four games, I had to go away to Leon on the opening day, and two match days later, on match day three, go away to Monaco. Matches sandwiched between Champions League qualifiers. It was not pretty, it was not easy. We did not play well. But, you know, the Real Madrid story, I think, has certainly overshone any disappointments, to say the least, if you have. But, yeah, like, the weekend now, tomorrow is Friday. Well, today is Friday. I'm recording Thursday, so tomorrow for me. But today is Friday, so I'm hoping to get the hours in today and over the weekend. And the sun is shining. You know, I'm uh, going you know, to be pushing the limits of the, the screen visibility. Pushing to the limits of the, uh, the laptop battery, even the, the Wi-Fi. Just to try get some time outside in that garden. That uh, intended trip to IKEA for a black plastic storage box for my outdoor FME. Uh, that was obviously been put on hold for the minute. So hopefully the good weather keeps up after IKEA opens up and a little bit of football manager can be played outside. Just put your laptop apparently in the black box and you know it keeps all the glare away. So maybe it's something you could do as well. But if you are based in Ireland, please keep away from the IKEA in. Mon because uh, as that is our only IKEA, it, I want to get on them boxes. I've been waiting for it all, all year since I saw the hack last winter. Uh, finances, I suppose, is the only place really to go from here. It's going to be a big topic, it's going to be a heavy topic this week. Um, The finances, that's this week's topic, and the reason is I began to pay a lot of attention to finances as a result of FM20. Obviously, you know. um. Had a dodgy director of football at Vale Sarsfield. I've spoken about a lot, and then recently, but Ren I've had a takeover in game so the money question has come up quite regularly. So, what well, better place to, to dive in and get our teeth sunk into than um, in finances, I suppose, this week. So, just before we go in, I have to give a few notices. One, I, you know, you if you want to get some, get comfortable, get yourself a stiff drink. I've gone for a nice. Birding or alcohol free because that was all I could get my hands on. So here am I punishing myself. Not only talking about finances in a video game, drinking alcohol free beer doing the same. And just as well to warn you, I did read a 40 page Deloitte 2017-2018 report of finances and European football. That's the depths we're about to go to here, guys. So strap yourselves in and I hope you enjoy where we do go. In terms of finances though in football, the rise of the instant success, the overnight successes, these, the rise of these clubs from the depths of the nowhere has changed the landscape of the game. Where before the game had been run in quite a meagre financial manner, where title challengers could emerge from unorthodox places, the growing rise in maximising profits in any way has changed the landscape of the game forever. So where Jack Walker's investment was a short-lived attempt to gatecrash the Premier League elite, for example, it was the off-field investments in Manchester City and Chelsea that changed the landscape of the game forever. Meanwhile, while all this was going on, Manchester United and Arsenal cast their eyes to other places, laying down successful financial ventures off the pitch creating empires that stretched all the way from Tokyo to San Francisco, where, through increased broadcast deals, merchandising and the likes, fans could go stay up a little bit later in those late-night bars in Tokyo and watch the same game as others, having their breakfast on the other side of the world. Seeing the advantage financially this created for clubs, Europe's elite also began to follow suit. As leagues and clubs emerged, pushing the boundaries further than ever before, creating a gap greater between the haves and have-nots at a continental and global level than has ever existed before. CFOs emerged at clubs as managers began to focus more and more on the playing operations than on the growth and stature of the club in other departments. This trend has precedence in the pre premier League era, though, of course. Bob Paisley, for example, shunning financial involvement in the club, instead asking the club to hire someone to handle negotiations and the money. Pierre Robinson, the man the club chose. Because Paisley knew financial operations, financial management, would be kind of a, a limitation for him, it would push the boundaries of what he was capable of. But FM doesn't make allowances just like this. Instead, you know, the expectation is there that we will take control and we will run the club. I chose to try an, a realistic approach when I was managing Valais Sarsfield and delegating the financial running of the club to the director of football. In doing so, his decisions ultimately fell back at my feet and, res- ult- and really was a re- was a contributing factor to the fact that I did lose my job in Linears in Buenos Aires. When I returned to Europe in game, I settled in Rennes, not because of the club's perceived financial strength, but on the established youth setup and resourceful scouting that the club had. Having assets like this certainly made a big contribution financially to how I've been able to run the club. However, despite the assured uh, assured resources that I have at the club and the recent takeover that we've just gone through, we are still in the shadow of our rivals and we do need to be ambitious in our quest to succeed. So where am I going what am I talking about here really? Well, finances can bring much unnecessary stress in Football Manager. Stress which can make us feel uncomfortable. With how the game was going. You don't have to look very far. To see complaints on the Steam forums. Please fix finances. You can't compete. It's ridiculous considering that. The winners of the league. Get such meagre meager prize money. You never have enough money. There's no way of competing. You're only going to be managing someone. Who's in debt. TV revenue is ridiculous. And it's putting me off managing other cl- or lesser reputable teams because the money is so bad. That's some of the complaints, some of the you know issues that SI have to deal with on their forums. And I suppose we can all relate to it. If you're not managing Real Madrid, Barcelona, even like you know, a top half Premier League club, financially you are going to struggle in the game. Financially, things are going to be a little bit difficult. And in terms of managing these finances, it can be quite a challenging operation. So that's what I asked the community, first of all. How much, uh, are in football manager, do you get involved with the finances? 40% of voters said they're very hands-on, while 60% just said they dabble. I totally understand. There is, you know, a sense that you do want to just play a game. You do want to just pass it off to others. But then again, you do have to be seen to controlling something. Just like me, competition in France is extremely tough. But the league is so far behind its European counterparts, it's clear to see the gap when you look at a team's shirt when they play domestically in league on fixtures. These shirts are plastered with sponsorship in order to maximise the revenue they bring in. To keep the clothes afloat initially, and then, when that's assured, when the club can start to be a little bit ambitious, the competitiveness that the money brings in can be a secondary factor. Then, now under the new ownership, I'm currently, you know, dealing with at Ren, There was an excessive amount of spending in our first summer. Transfer fees, in total, all clauses, everything included, was 56 million euros. But the thing is, some of those fees had been agreed. To in the previous 12 months that money had already been budgeted for had been taken out but on other transfers that we've okay, completed this summer like that would see future budget adjustments needed because of the clauses and incentives that were factored into these deals now the lavishness with unwanted transfers made by our new incoming president has me a little bit worried about the future instability of the club has been risked especially in the short term so we have experienced a significant increase in the bank balance but most of that money there has come in on the back of the league season which was undergone where we finished third and we qualified for the Champions League through the playoff rounds and of course we did get a win on our first match day. All prize money but nonetheless it's not guaranteed regular money that's going to keep coming in. Last season when I was negotiating contracts, I made sure that as many of them would come into effect as possible at the end of the season to save ourselves some, you know, uncomfortable budgetary uh decisions, I suppose, during the season. And in some ways I was betting against the success we'd have come the end of the season that, you know, we'd have a little bit more money to put into the wage budget. But it also gave me gave me an opportunity to understand. By structuring our transfers and structuring the contracts that, you know, I I knew what position I would be in coming into the start of that season. That I wouldn't be starting off having to do all of this and then realise I've no wage budget left for the signings that I need to make. Wages were monitored closely all through the season to the nth degree. Constantly checking in on that tab to see what the expenses were like. Some of our agents have walked away, which is a little bit worrying because some of these... Agents who've walked away are the agents of some of our younger players. And we did have an opportunity to sign Karim Benzema on a free transfer. But the demands set us completely over the edge. You know, so we had to park that free transfer up. Now we're getting into kind of some of the, you know, academic readings that I've done. So all of the links to all of these sites will be down below if you want to go and read them for yourself. So a journal from Plus has found that a lack of planning by managers has been the main cause of insolvency when clubs are faced with low income situations, and that's obviously you know a big deal. A lot of the clubs we're seeing could go through plenty of managers, there could be plenty of tur- turnover in the playing staff and the coaching staff, and as a result, this lack of planning as a club in general, has been a contributing factor to you know clubs having such significant financial difficulties. So when you're in-game like me, this could be, it might be a bad idea just to have that bit of a plan ahead to understand and try and figure out where are you going to be next season. So we're going to start then getting into the kind of nitty with contracts and wages. So again, that same plus journal, that the clubs that increase their wage spending They noticeably risk bringing financial distress upon themselves. And I suppose that's really evident. We can see where clubs will get promoted. From clauses that come in, we see that these clubs are now having to up their wages, having to up the wage bill to attract better players to try and stay in the league. That's obviously a big thing as well if you're delegating a football manager. So a game pressure article on football manager managing finances suggests and recommends that like something we all kind of we all should know but we try and get away with not doing but personally renewing contracts to ensure the terms agreed are ones that you accept they're terms that you can manage and they're terms that won't influence team uh, selection further down the line or influence the shape of your squad because of these financial restrictions this the light article that i mentioned at the start recommends that a 50 to 60 percent of the club's revenue should be spent on wages but 70 percent is the average wages to revenue ratio for sustainability so although pushing the 70 percent boundary is quite a significant outlay in comparison to revenue coming in a 50 to 60 percent output on player wages should be what a club budgets for and aims to spend And I don't think we can really argue with that, considering that the success of the club does primarily come from that playing squad. A lot of Premier League clubs, the same Deloitte article says, they're working towards this 50% target. But Tottenham, leading the way, Daniel Levy of course, as we've spoken about not too long ago, has that club running with such a fantastic wage structure that sees Tottenham operating at a 39% level. Whether or not you're a Tottenham fan, whether or not you're sympathetic towards the Tottenham players for not getting the wages they want, that's your personal opinion. I'm not going to influence that. I'm not going to say anything like that. But to consider the success success Tottenham have found when they're working at a 39% ratio and the majority of the Premier League clubs are trying to get down to 50 is phenomenal. And it shows you the great work Tottenham have done off the pitch as well. Though, I suppose, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be a surprise to know that there is a strong correlation, that strong link between wage costs and league position at the top divisions in football. That in the top divisions of football, the clubs who spend more on wages are the clubs who succeed more. It shouldn't surprise us, but still, it's eye-opening to know that at the start of the season, you could make the predictions of the league table just based on the wage budget of each of these individual clubs. So then I just wanted to get into the community, what, how the community approach these things, what the community thinks of these things. With The second question of, you know, this week's episode. How do you approach contract clauses? 52.8% of the community go for a basic wage, high incentive model. 22.2% use what the players want. Fair. And 25% go for a high wage, low incentive deal. And, of course, that leaves like, a lot to be desired, you know. And it's nice to know that they have the community try and incentivize these deals. Which is a very, very interesting model. Because, of course, when a deal is highly incentivized, the outgoings are not guaranteed. There isn't a, I suppose, like a, a fixed figure that's going to be spent each week on wages. Black C F M has a great article. I waves have motion opposed on player contracts. So as what Black sea offered up on this. I'll link that. I'll retweet that at the end. If you haven't seen that already. FM Aldoc, If they're stepping right into my first team. Or I may go higher on a wage. And try to push down incentives. But vice versa for a youngster. A year or two off from regular weekly game time. And I try to remember. That most compromises end. With neither side happy. And it's not real money anyway. That's true, it isn't real money anyway, but still, we have to try and treat it a bit real at the same time in the game, I suppose, if we want to really immerse ourselves in it. But yeah, just remember, it's not real at the end of the day. Daz at FM Heaton think there should be another option, as I remove pretty much all clauses and pare the wage down as much as I can. And that comes a lot from the lower league management saves that I've done, I think that's like that's a great way to do it i know when i've done lower league management sales like that was shelburne i've tried to go for low wage high incentive deals pay of play deals really but obviously it's a case of at times that has had a bit of a, an influence on teams i've been able to select because that's regarding the effects of incentives i think it's a real interesting puzzle and what i've never solved i've played both with and without them and I don't think there's a real difference unless I've missed something, to be honest. But for me, from what I've heard and from what I've read, the impact of these clauses financially for clubs is a problem. And it can influence team selection. Because clubs might actually not be able to afford a player's appearance fee or new substitute fee if they're looking to cut costs. Or it's the case of if, a, if to, to use a player they might have to use them as a sub. Because they can't afford to start him. That makes a very very interesting question you know for SI. And how that could be factored into the game. And the final word kind of on that second question went to Jack Butterworth. At Curbs of course. Higher wage and bonuses eh, than what they ask for. But then you add a non-negotiable three year contract extension. Work street long term basically getting you an eight year contract. Jack. I think you found a nice little, you know, I wouldn't say cheap, but a nice little, you know, nuance of the game that none of us probably have ever really considered before. I just didn't use those one-year contract extensions, but yeah, a three-year fixed-term contract extension on top of the five you've given them. That sounds like a really great place to start. But of course, there's no point in continuing this discussion about finances without checking in at Guide to FM. Again, a website that, If you haven't checked them out, go and check them out. The detail and the fact checking there is really, really top-notch. Really, really top-notch. So what guide to fm suggests you do is you decide on a contract renewal or policy. policy. So when do you renew these players and when do you sell? Establishing wage structure is key to any financial success. Any significant increase in demands by a player can be addressed in many ways. You can sell them or... You can, for example, you can even have a private chat with them, asking them to rem- remove or reduce their demands. With regards to that wage structure, older players should be given short-term deals with the clauses to extend and making them optional, because it gives you the chance then to decide at the end of the season whether or not these older players can be moved on without much of a challenge in trying to find a new club for them to move on to. In ideal, the, the wage structure is very important because the status and the pay reflects the player's importance to the team. So deciding on how important the player is and what status is within the group, that can be significant then in helping you determine what an acceptable amount of pay is. And by having players clearly defined like that, it keeps players in check in terms of demands. You won't be getting complaints made about players earning a certain amount. Having a wage structure can also possibly give you the opportunity to free up money elsewhere and be spent elsewhere in the club, such as investments in facilities, scouting and so on. Guide to FM recommends that about 10% of your total wage budget should be used on reserve under 19 squads combined, which is an interesting number, but I suppose a freeze up 80% for the rest of the squad, and if you are aiming to work with that 50% model like the light suggests, it gives you a very, very clear number which to work from. A wage structure, of course, having those clear boundaries, would see about four or five key players in your first team squad, six or seven first teamers, and then eleven players with rotation status or lower. If you're fortunate enough to, have to keep a squad of about twenty plus players, the projection tab is a very very important place to check out on the finances. So if you go there, it'll give you, uh, you know, a good place to start in terms of what those, what the numbers are, what you should be expecting to spend. Remember, have it for the total wage budget. Take ten percent out. That's what your total wage budget should be for the underage teams and the reserve teams, and then focus the rest then on what it is you want to uh, offer your players. And of course, most importantly, there's a clause that most of us don't like, and it's that re- it's that one that says match highest earner. Try and remove that in every negotiation possible. Four, four, two an unusual place to get Football Manager content on a regular basis. But nonetheless, one of the pieces they have on finances has a really, really simple kind of suggestion. Target appearance fees as a simple way to reduce a continuous outlay. So if you're at a club, like the DAZ and that was saying, where it's a case of you can remove these fees altogether, it can give you an assured number altogether. So if you're trying to project and plan and put yourself in a good financial position, not paying appearance money could be a place to start at the match.com though has an interesting flip on this saying that clubs are beginning to change the focus on a win bonus in an individual's contract so that individual win bonus that you pay out to a player clubs are trying to remove that and instead focusing on collective win bonuses is instead and by focusing you know on putting more money into a collective win bonus it keeps the group together it doesn't, um, you know, show off that, you know, there's an individuality at the club. Players should gain individually, that you should work together collectively and achieve collectively. So, when you're in those negotiations, again, Guide to FM, another great resource, be mindful of the agent of a player. More disliked agents will demand a higher fee in dealing with you. So, if it, if you can see that agent doesn't like you, He's going to demand a significant amount of money just to do a deal with you. So just be aware of that. Other interesting factors, tapping back into the attributes. Patience, personal gain and client gain. So although personal gain and client gain will not be visible initially to you. But it will suggest that to try and strike the best deal for themselves or the best deal for their players. So just be wary of those little messages, those little memos, those little descriptions when you're going into these negotiations. Scout reports can be used to gain an insight into those, but it can also be used to gain an insight into the potential wage demands and transfer fees involved in making a deal with a club or a player. So that can kind of help you, you know, factor in whether or not a player is expected to be in your price range. That highest Asserna clause again, I just want to reiterate, just make sure. That, you know, you, you do get rid of it, especially if you're a club that's ambitious, a club that's seeking promotion, or a club that's, you know, looking to push into your continental competition. Because if you're pushing up that high, you are going to look to bring in some marquee players, players of increased reputation, who are going to come in and demand more money. And if you have a player who's not as good, who is on that match, highest there in their clause, you're going to find yourself in a little bit of a sticky financial situation there especially if this player is not a regular in the first team and they're earning a significant amount of money. So that using the lock term feature, making it something non-negotiable, that can certainly be a way to make sure that nothing like that creeps into a deal that you might just overlook very, very simply. Now the thing with these contract clauses, and again, I'm going to tap into an article I read on Colossus Bets, is that in FM, <laughs> just be glad do will have to deal with some of the ones clubs in real life have had to deal with. For example, the Dennis Bergkamp no-fly clause. After he was involved in a, a plane incident, Bergkamp developed a fear of flying. So he had to travel by car, by road, to all European and continental games. Giuseppe Reina left Bruce Dortmund for Arminia Bielefeld. And a stipulation in his contract with Arminia Bielefeld was that they would have to build him a house every year of his contract. However, Armony Bielefeld got creative, and every year they gave him a Lego house, a model house made of Lego, because nothing said the house had to be livable or of a specific size. And then, of course, there's the Samueletto one at Angie, where Samueletto demanded that he travel by private jet, and if the club needed him to travel, he would travel individually on his private jet. Which also made things very, very interesting when Etu decided to set up a camp and set up his home in Moscow because Moscow was a much nicer place to live than Mashkakala. But in terms of contracts, I know a lot of people out there try, and I've been saying it as well, a lot all the way through, is that they look for this steady, fixed number that's constantly going out each week with low and us. But there is a growing trend in world football. Where clubs are moving to this flexible wage structure. And it could be the one you're using yourself already. Whereby incentives and clauses can be used to ensure that a player is motivated and determined all the way through a season. Because they do have something to financially gain from their performances, their performances and the performances of the team together. But then obviously you know finances aren't just tapped up. The contracts are also involved in transfers and loans. And having a transfer policy in place will help you manage your finances closely. And especially if you adopt a development policy, it will mean that every year when you go into the transfer market, it's a case of when you're looking for immediate first team players, you know exactly what you're looking for because you can't address it in the youth team. And in the same again, you're looking to bring in young talent to develop. You know, loaning out players you are not intending to include in a regular matchday squad is also a great way to lower the finances and have making sure that if they're being loaned by the director of football, if you go into the transfer screen on every player, you would say that you demand 100% of the wages to be paid of any player that's offered out on loan. Game Pressure, in that article I've mentioned already, it's also said to be open to selling players before they suffer, they suffer a significant reduction in resale value. So like that, move all their players on, you know, just at the right time. So if it's, a case, if it's a player you want to keep around all the way through, absolutely fine. But if not, don't be afraid to let that player go. And make sure you try and get as much money as possible. I think Robin Van Persie, that deal, it was a case of losing on a free next summer or sell. The Arsenal chose the option to sell. Again, tapping into the plus article, it's okay. One aspect of the transfers and finances is that overinvestment in playing staff has proven to be a key determinant in increasing the debt of clubs. And it's a case of small clubs would then need to make smart investments if they were to avoid any financial issues. And that's where a transfer policy and even a loan policy can certainly be used to great effect. Because investing in a youth structure, so that's improving the coaching, the recruitment, the facilities, all of that stuff. That will give your club the chance to boost the platform, boost the calibre of players that you're able to get through into that first team squad, potentially. And give your squad the change it needs without having to go out scouting searching and spending money unnecessarily but if you like me find yourself managing a club where you know young players might be able to make the breakthrough all the time maybe put the buyback clause there and if you're selling a player maybe put in the uh, percentage of future fee as well because these clauses can make sure that you know you don't lose out on the progression of these players in future I know Liverpool have done a lot of these things. With a lot of the young players they've sold. Especially to Bournemouth. While. The Luis Alberto. Luis Alberto transferred to Lazio. For £4 million. With a 30% buy-on clause. It's suggested. The pre-Covid numbers anyway. But that Alberto could be. You know. Generating £20 million for Liverpool this summer. Because of potential transfer from Lazio. To another club. So. That could be a fantastic way of generating additional funds that you didn't know was going to be coming through. And of course, we all know as well, you know, if we are putting together like these transfers, that there there is these buyout clauses and some leagues mandate that we do put them in. Now, of course, I don't know if we'll see the days of the PSG 222 million euros for Neymar again. But if you think of Luis Suarez, there's a 40 million and one pound bid from Arsenal. Because he had a bio clause of £40 million. Now, Suarez didn't make the move down to the Emirates for multiple reasons. One, there was pressure from Stephen Gerard to say that's something we can do in game. We can ask the captain to intervene. We can ask we can try and intervene. But the other interesting aspect was that Liverpool's owner, principal owner, John W. Henry, he disregarded the bid and it sort of ignored that clause in the contract. Stipulating that players and agents are in constant violation of their own contracts with clubs because of the power they try to exert and the threats they make not to honour the contracts. So he said he was going to do the same back to them. Interesting ploy, but it did seem to work. But these transfer fees, these clauses—they all come in when you are making these moves. What do you do? I asked the community. Twenty-five percent. Try and get the f- try and do transfers with the fee in one go. fee and installments or 40% fee installments clauses getting as much as they can and you know what i'm in that category too score more fm my option when buying isn't there i try to avoid installments so i can begin a fresh slate every year regarding transfer budgets i only use them when i buy under 21 hot prospects i can't afford to pay instantly interesting approach Uh, an fm old-timer I've gone to realism in my current save, so fee, installments and clause. I think, you know, I think it's not just realism in your, your save, but I think it's just a case of that's just the like, that's just the way deals are done now, even in the game the way the game can even look for them. And then uh, Anton McFarlane, at six stars, uh 1989. Personally, when it comes to buying a player, fee and installments, but selling I always try to get the fee in one go, and I think we can all agree with you there, Anton. We always try and get as much money into the club as possible because if we can get as much, generate as much income as possible to the club at a time, it gives us a good foothold to you know continue it. And generating income is something that you know, in football management, is quite difficult apart from player sales, loan fees, and the like. But if your club can have a dynamic way in creating revenue, it can set your club apart. And having these match day experiences and commercial opportunities and taking them, a club can really get themselves going forward. Now, obviously, in Football Manager, that can be from the stadium you're currently playing in to the fact that, you know, you have commercial links and good sponsorship deals. Broadcasting rights, of course, they always get money. We always get told the matches are on television. So if you can get yourself on television more, of course, this will generate more funds for you and your club. And that obviously comes from your success. And obviously, in Football Manager we do tend to hear a lot of success stories out there. So hopefully people are able to capitalize on this. Well, that, and like I said, from the commercial point of view, many clubs are hoping to grow and benefit more from their increasing global footprint. For example, like I said, that Premier League, all the way from Tokyo to San Francisco, clubs are going on these pre-season friendlies and uh, making affiliate links with uh, commercial partners to maximize the money that comes in from these places. So maybe that can be something that you do as well. You Know, or, or if you're a smaller club where you know you're not looking to grow that f- global footprint initially, if you can get yourself a few games in pre season against bigger opponents, okay, you might get the results you need. But it's a case if the money comes in, can be a great, great cash builder. I try to do as much as possible with Shelburne just to try and entice British clubs and Irish cl- British clubs to Ireland just to try and you know generate some funds. And it does work, and it does give you that bit of a boost, especially because. Sometimes if you're in a calendar year league, that boost can kind of come midway through the season and can help, you know, it's not just see the club through to the end of the season, but help form your plans of transfer-wise for next season. If you're, like me, managing in Europe, UEFA has increased the broadcasting rights from 2018 to 19, So it means that clubs who are able to get themselves into the European competitions will find themselves earning more and more. But of course, you know, if you're a club like me who doesn't expect to be in a year-on-year, you know building that revenue grow close to home is certainly possibly one of the best ways forward again affiliate links sponsorships and all that getting yourself on television as much as possible certainly make a big deal for you there targeting domestic cups is always a great way because of the prize money that is often offered and especially if you are a lower a less reputable club and you can get yourself a home draw against one of the bigger clubs that plus article m um, also suggests though that when it comes to generating income it's very, very important because of financial fair play, and the introduction of financial fair play. The aim of it was to try and ensure that clubs can only reinvest money earned through their football operations, and not just you know not the way that we've seen with the models before, where a new owner comes in, blank checkbook, away you go. Of course, though we are seeing some issues with that, and the PSG's fr- flirtation, what ridiculing this, has certainly brought them a lot of notoriety and a lot of investigations. I'm sure. The Mbappe and Neymar signings, of course, coming in one summer. But in order to avoid any complications, Mbappe was only loaned for one year, if you remember. But how do you go on from here? How can we all go on from here? How can we all become better financial managers? Well, the like Sports Interactive themselves say, good financial management is an expectation and a demand of the board. And that the financial summary screen is the best place to go to give you a quick overview of how the club is doing. Of course, wages can be adjusted and wages can be determined by the squad status and then adjusted through the sliders. That can also influence the budgets of scouting and transfers, allowing us to maximise the benefits from one area and bringing it to another. It's easy to forget though that the money can often be spread out over several seasons, so don't overcommit yourself and try and drain the bank in order to maximise things in certain areas. And if you are operating on a tight budget, focus on keeping things balanced. Incentives, clauses, scouting budget and future fees to other clubs. Try and renegotiate them, especially if possible, to get yourself more favourable terms. FC Business, they suggested to check the bank balance at the end of each month. And look at the income and expenditures for last month and this month and plan accordingly. Plus article, the last time time I'll, I'll dip into this one. But there's a high liquidity and good performances on the pitch. That can be key determiners in ensuring the success of a club financially. So high liquidity, having those assets that you are available to sell and turn into cash, of course. The final thing I'll take from Deloitte is that improvements in cost control discipline will make a significant impact on curtailing recurring heavy losses. It's interesting to know that that you know there are Premier League clubs now who can make a profit without even selling one ticket each year. Or, you know, being disciplined. Is a really really important you know aspect of financial management or football manager because there are going to be ups and downs in football and when things are going well it's easy to overdo it. it's easy to spend out more money but by operating in a prudent manner you will keep those funds constant at a time especially you know in time where the club might be in a bit of a financial jam that those funds are still there because investment in players contracts investment in players themselves that has to be targeted because in order to maintain or improve a team's position and stature. You know, but where like this piece alludes to trading contracts as in seeking similar financial deals for outgoing players and ingo- incoming players, that could be a way in which a club continues their success while maintaining financial viability. And I played Devil Guts Advocate there today on Twitter and I asked would people be interested in and well would they like to see that trade? style kind of coming in something we see in american sports and there was a resounding 85 percent of voters said no now the football ramble daily if you listen to it they're on the continent podcast for today the 7th of may that raised some really important questions of could we see you know an emergence of long-term loans going forward because of covid especially in the sh- like in the next couple of years as clubs look to recover financially and not overcommit themselves and then, as well as overcommitting themselves, some clubs are, you know, struggling to shift, you know, high-earning, high-cost players, and get rid because of, you know, not their unnecessary luxuries. Coutinho, Dembele, James, Bale, Benzema, possibly even. This could all impact future financial of tra- future transfer plans for these clubs because of the financial outlay like these fellas are already commanding. Now, in terms of football manager, I'd like to see financial management emerge as an attribute alongside negotiation or negotiating for the director of footballs and technical directors so that we can make the game more realistic we know some managers don't get into the nitty-gritty wheel, like a uh, wheeler deal or dealer stuff so it'd be nice to know at the upper levels you can pass this on to someone in the club who you could trust based on the attributes they have i'd also like to see an introduction of play as you p- pay as you play deals they're not uncommon in professional football they're not uncommon at the lower levels for players who might earn a basic wage and then, depending on their performance, that can determine how much money. Like we said, flexible models, are wage models are becoming the norm in football. And at the top level, we've seen it happen before. Michael Owen is the first name that jumps to mind at the end of his career. He opened himself up to that opportunity. But a football manager, I find that the willingness of players to do so and their agents is not there. Like I said, Karen Benzo wanted four hundred twenty-five grand a week. We tried to negotiate with 115 grand and heavily incentivized and he wasn't having it. 33 years of age, you'd wonder. You know, that was his chance to play regular football just before the end. But then again, who am I to know? Just before I say goodbye, there was a lot of information there. Just have a look at the finances tab the next time you load up football manager, and just see. Is there any scary areas? Areas that you need to address. And like I do try to address it, you know, financial matters. Regularly enough with a football manager. At least, you know, twice, three times per season. And I often find the international break is a good time to do it. If you are looking for a little bit of a time, a little bit of a gap in the window. Spend a little bit of time sorting that stuff out. But if you've enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a positive review? Or share on your socials with your followers we appreciate everything we can get out there please like review share the pod and don't forget like i said just check out the site as well get in touch on twitter the links obviously found down below in the episode notes the weirder community interactions they form a vital part of the podcast thank you to everyone who got involved this week the numbers have shot up through the roof so please you know get involved if you listen try keep your eye out every day i try to put a poll so monday tuesday wednesday and thursday just to see you know what the community is thinking, check the pods of the community on whatever topic it is we're going to cover. The next book review is going up on the site very soon. Uh, so, you know, trying to keep this FM book club going. Uh, I'll have a link, of course, we you have to buy it on you know, Amazon, but if you can get it in a local bookshop and support them at this time, I'm sure they would appreciate it. If they are open or the next time you're in, maybe to keep your eye out for the club, the, the book that I recently read. Uh, big congratulations, I want to say, to Jim G. His t-shirt campaign ended last week. And, you know, it was a fantastic fundraiser for fantastic cause, And, of course, FM merch, everyone was very, I'm sure, was interested. So, again, Jim, if you are listening, congratulations on the work you've done. You know, the community really appreciates that. Winston 1984 got in touch with me. That's at Blair And he sent me a link based on something we spoke about last week in the podcast, and that was attributes. And he's put together a Python project based on attributes, where you're able to actually see, you Know uh, kind of these spreadsheets, see kind of these spread charts, and have a look at the attributes in your squad, determine you know the characteristics of your squad, the philosophy of your squad, maybe your priorities as well. So, definitely go and check that out. There'll be a link here and in the forums, of course. And, of course, the music for this podcast came from Pond Five. So, if you are looking for music, Pond Five was where I found the music for this, guys. Until next week, take care of yourselves, keep safe, you know. Hopefully, we'll get some more live football soon, not just the Bundesliga. But enjoy your FMing as well, nonetheless. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye now.